Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Hello, my dear friends. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm delighted that you're with us today. You know, among the loveliest friends that I've made in the course of working to get the truth to you is our guest today, who is here for the third time. Karen Anderson bills herself as a pet psychic, but as you'll see today, she's really even a lot more than that. She does, however, talk with our animal friends, both living and transitioned, and she's very good at it. During her first Seek Reality visit, she discussed with us her wonderful experiences in communicating with cats, dogs, and household pets. Then last spring, she and I had a joyous time talking about our beloved dead horses and how they are still in our lives today. But we haven't much mentioned so far is the fact that Karen also works with the police and she uses her mediumistic gifts in helping them to solve cold cases. Sometimes even when criminals believe there are no witnesses to their crimes, they get away scot-free. There are cats and dogs around, maybe even a rat or two, watching, listening, and they can tell Karen a lot about what happened. On occasion, the victim also will will come through to her. So some of her stories about solving crimes are amazing, as you'll see. We've never had a cold case medium on Seek Reality, so I'm especially delighted that our friend Karen is back to talk about that. Karen Anderson is an award-winning animal communicator and medium who's been doing this wonderful work for more than two decades. She's written a couple of books and collaborated with others on their books, but my favorite of her efforts is The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, Messages and Signs from Our Pets on the Other Side, which came out in 2017. That book has won a number of awards, and all of them were well-deserved. It's full of the kinds of happy stories that bereaved pet lovers desperately need to hear. Karen, welcome. I'm so happy you're with us today. Well, hi, Roberta, and thanks for having me back on again. I love, love, love being on the air with you. We come up with some of the greatest topics, don't we? Yes, and we have fun, and fun is what it's all about. If you're not having fun, don't do it. So we have the most fun there is. Yeah. Um, so so let's talk about – some people may not have heard our other um, interviews, and so let's talk a little bit about um, your past – because you you have an interesting an interesting past life. How did you get started, and how did you ever get started, especially as a medium? Well, um, for those who didn't hear the other shows that we did, I remember my earliest memory is being able to understand my pets when I was a little kid, so four, five, six years old, right in that time frame, and I was very animal crazy. I loved everything about animals. My room was full of stuffed animals. I had every book about animals. I mean, it was just crazy, right? So um, the love was there early on, and I thought that everyone could understand them the way that I could. I didn't realize that I was doing something different until my parents started to realize that there were a few things that I was coming up with that a five- or six-year-old child just shouldn't know, uh, things about our family pets, things that, you know, it should have been way above my level at that time. And also, I could see spirits as well. And I would describe to them some of our departed loved ones that I had never wow. met. So yeah. they got a little Freaky Friday on me and didn't know <laughs> what to do with that. Right. And um, 
<laughs> overwhelmed, like, oh, my gosh, what is our daughter doing? And uh, so they discouraged it. They, did, they didn't encourage my abilities. And they made me feel like what I was doing was wrong. So I learned at a very early age than to not share that with anyone and to keep it quiet and to keep it to myself. So I did. I kept it to myself. Sharon, and did you have relatives or ancestors who were mediums? Is it in your family at all? You know, they wouldn't admit to that, but I believe, <laughs> right. I believe they're highly intuitive and we joke about it. Uh, my, my mom and I and my aunt and, and those of us that I'm really close to, we joke about how we can finish each other's sentences. It's like we're yeah. reading each other's minds. You know, yeah. we think about the other one and our phone rings and it's them calling. And so, oh, yeah. well, they, they're not comfortable coming out and saying, oh, yeah, I have psychic abilities. Uh, I think it does run in the family. But no one is a professional, quote, unquote, like I am. Um, and, but the fact that they do have, you'd think they'd be more sensitive to you and to encourage you. What do you know? Is it was it a religious thing with them that they didn't encourage no, you? It wasn't a religious thing. I think it was fear. It was fear based. Yeah, that's a I think, motivator. Um, someone in probably the 1940s had a fortune told and. You know, whatever was told ended up coming true, and it wasn't good. So I think oh. that just kind of snowballed. Yeah, and that, it, yeah, that's a mess. Yeah. That's sorry. Put a, that's put a too bad. On things. I know. I know. So, so you moved so, on from that. When did you decide did. this was okay? You could do this. Well, it was many decades later. I was actually a police officer in Colorado, and I was uh, fresh out of the academy. And I was really just trying to uh, learn everything and um, be a good cop. And I had to work alone. Many of my shifts were by myself because it was a small department in the mountains. And so there just weren't enough officers to have, you know, more than one on at a time. So I would have to respond to calls alone. Oh, my. And right out of the academy. I mean, I didn't even know what I was doing back then. (laughs) And truly... And I'd have to go to call whatever calls came in. I had to go. And so I learned very early for my own safety to begin to read body language and the energy that was there on whatever scene or house or whatever I I arrived at because my well-being depended on it. So that's where I started to watch people's eyes. I'd watch their body language. I'd watch how they held themselves when they spoke to me. You know, people that are being deceitful, they almost try to, right off the bat, talk too much, and they try to fill in the blanks too much. You know, someone who is innocent, they kind of look at you like, I don't know what just happened. This was crazy. You know, I can't even wrap my head around it. So you begin to see these patterns, and I began to get really good at reading people and energy, And at that same time, paralleling the rest of my life, I had quite a few pets at home, loved them all, and I had a weird situation occur in my own home on a Saturday morning. I just got up one morning. I had wanted to learn how to communicate with animals. I was trying to practice, but it just wasn't happening. I was was blocking myself, basically. Yeah. I was trying too hard. 
I got up one morning to make a pot of coffee, and I walked across the kitchen, and one of my cats was sitting on the kitchen floor. As I walked past him, I heard him say the words, I'm blocked. Now, this particular cat had a severe illness called FUS, feline urinary syndrome, meaning their bladder would get blocked. And they could go septic in just a matter of hours. It's really scary. Well, I looked, I heard it in my own head, and it was in my own voice, but it, I, I knew it came from the cat, so I thought I was going nuts. <laughs> so I looked down at this cat, and I said, did you just say that? And then I heard it again in my oh. head. I heard, yes, I'm blocked, and I heard Poor it like kitty. urgent. I yeah. know. So that was where it all started to happen. He ended up being blocked. I took him to the vet. He was fine. We got him unblocked. And that's where it all started to snowball. I finally was able to open up because there's a sort of awakening that we have. It's a remembering because we all have these abilities. So I was able to remember, and it all started coming back to me thanks to my police work. So how old were you then when you had this awakening? I was 36 when I graduated from the police academy. So it was right in that time frame. Wow. And and why did you go into police work? I'm just curious about that. Were you Did you have uh, an inspiration that you wanted to be helpful to people? Or did you have someone, did you know someone who was a policeman and said, hey, let's do this? No, I had never even held a gun before. It was like completely out of character for me. But yeah. what happened was I had been, I'd spent many years in the, the mortgage industry and I was, I had, made a ton of money, as you can do in the mortgage industry, but it's also one of those feast or famine type of jobs. It's either really, really good or it's really, really bad. There's not a lot of middle ground. And I kept seeing a pattern that no matter what I did in the mortgage business, the companies closed down or I got fired or I got laid off or, yeah, it was like this, you know, you look back and go, Wow, is it me? <laughs> you start yeah. to wonder. Yeah, but it's, it, it, life does that to you, though. If you're going in the wrong direction, it kind of gives you a lot of hints that maybe we should try something else. It does. It gives you really big hints. And uh, the universe is trying to tell me, Karen, you're in the wrong business, you're in the wrong business. So the final straw uh, was I, I owned a mortgage company at the time before I got into police work, and discovered that my business partner was embezzling from me. Oh, Lord. I'm not not talking about a small amount of money. I'm talking about huge amounts of money. So to me, that was it. I was done. I was so done. I felt so betrayed that he was a friend. How could he do this and whatever? So I had to basically start over again, and it was during that time that I was awakening to my abilities and I wanted to learn how to communicate with animals again and I felt this weird pull if you if you will it's maybe a a sense of of a I felt drawn to it I can't describe it it's just if you yeah. have it happen you you know what I'm talking about of course it's like this weird pull to give back I felt like I needed to give back to the world I needed to give back to my community, I felt like I needed to give, 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 
and this was very strange for me because I had never even volunteered for anything before. So <laughs> well, that's I good, drove though. straight to the local animal control shelter, and I walked in, and I said, I want to volunteer. And they kind of looked at me like, okay, who are you? And <laughs> yeah. then they instantly put a shovel in one hand and a, and a bucket in the other and said, okay, the kennels are out back. There you go. So oh, my. I literally started volunteering for animal control. And the caveat to that is animal control was uh, under the umbrella of the sheriff's department. So I started riding along with the animal control officers. I fell in love with that, responding and helping the animals. I thought that was really fulfilling and really made my heart happy. And I also started riding along with the deputies on the sheriff's department, and I caught the bug. There's like a bug that you catch when you fall in love with law enforcement. Yeah. And I caught it. Oh, so that's how that's, it all happened. That's beautiful. And did you soon start helping solve it to solve crimes with your abilities or how did that develop? Well, you know, that was a that was kind of a shock even for me because I didn't even know you could do that. So it all happened in roundabout ways. I didn't set out to do that, but what I found out that would happen is that I could get information about a crime or what happened from the animals that were on the scene before I arrived. Right. So it was a, quite a, you can imagine, an eye-opening experience for me when I realized, wow, animals as eyewitnesses, who would think, right? Yes, right. Yeah, because nobody would notice them if you're a criminal. It's like you don't care about the dog, right? Right. I mean, the dog's not going to rat you out. The cat's not going to tell on you, right? So you're safe to go about yes. doing whatever it is, little criminal activity that you were doing. Yes. So that's how it all started to happen, and it was it was very unintentional. I didn't set out to do it. It just started happening. I started getting information, and it I saw that the information was accurate, that the animals were actually more accurate than the humans that I interviewed. Really? So wow. I just used it as another tool in my toolbox of solving some of the crimes, especially if there had been an assault or an act of domestic violence. Many times it's hard to tell who's at fault because it's a he said, she said kind of thing. Right. But I could check in with the resident pets and they could tell me in images or in words or short sentences, they could tell me what happened before I got there. Before you got there? Before so I arrived you, on scene. Really? So that, scene. Yes. So, that, so that you could uh, think ahead to the address, find that there was a, a pet there, and talk to the pet? So what I would do is I'd respond to a call, let's say that there was a domestic violence. I would uh-huh. arrive on scene, I would interview the people, and then I would look around to see if they had a cat or a dog, or who, what kind of pet they had, and I would also check in with the pet. So I just included it as part of my investigative process. While I was at the scene of whatever happened, I would interview the humans, and then I would check in telepathically with the animals and gain as much information from them as as I could. Wow. Well, that certainly made you a hero, I would think, that you were able to solve some crimes. I had a lot of raised eyebrows because here I was this green, greener than green, rookie 
coming out of the police depart the police academy and I was able to figure out we didn't have a you know investigative department we had it was this really small department so we had to figure all this stuff out ourselves so yeah it did raise a few eyebrows now keep in mind Roberta I did not tell anyone that my confidential informants had four legs and a tail. No, 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 no. No, right. That, that committee that, or something, right. That would not go no. over very very well in the department. In fact, I would have been the laughing stock. Of, it was already bad enough that I was the only female officer. It was oh, already a boys, a boys club. And I had to do everything faster, smarter, quicker, better, than my male counterparts because I was always under the microscope no matter Good. what I was doing. Good for you, though. So Good I did. You. you know, I just said, hey, you know, I can do this. If a boy can do it, I can do it. For sure. And Yep. And so I just stuck to what I was doing. I didn't tell anyone the information I was getting. And I just went about my business and, you know, tried to be a good police officer. Um, it, was, it was all very... Uh, like a an eye-opening event for me. I didn't know I would have that ability. I didn't try. It just happened. So t- tell us some cases. I, I know you've told one you t- about someone who was hiding in a shed that had already been searched. Mm-hmm. Um, t- tell, that, tell that one maybe, and then tell us some other cases that you solved, because this fascinates me, and I'm sure it must fascinate other people too that you're able to do this. Sure. Well, one of the very first calls I went on as a new officer, was a, a suspect that had rolled his car. He was under the influence of alcohol. He had a warrant, and he also had been known to carry a weapon. So he had rolled his vehicle in a ditch. It was pitch black out. It was summertime, but there was no moon. It was dark, dark, dark. Now, remember, this is up in the mountains. There's no street light. Oh, dear. <laughs> so you have wow. no ambient light whatsoever. So the suspect fled on foot through this field, which was surrounded by uh, large trees. It was There's national forest around this area, and then there's these open fields with really high grass. And I was told to keep the perimeter around this one particular field. So I was by myself. I had my patrol car and the radio, and I was listening to two other officers that had gone the other direction, thinking he fled on foot in the opposite direction. And I was listening to the radio traffic to hear if they had found him or not. And as I was sitting there in the darkness, in the total pitch blackness, you know, your mind starts to play tricks on you. And all of a sudden I thought to myself, what am I going to do if I find this guy? What if he's here? Oh, <laughs> what, if, what if he's in this field that I'm standing in, in total pitch blackness? You know, you start thinking all these scenarios. Right. And I, oh, actually, right. I actually started to spook myself, right? Because it's like, okay, think about your training. You know, you go back to your training. So I'm having all these thoughts, and I see a, a small group of deer slowly come into the field that I was in. Now, they saw me. They knew I wasn't a threat, so they were just eating the grass and kind of walking through this field, and they were, you know, 25, 30, 40 yards away from where I was. 
And I had the thought as I was watching these deer, I thought, isn't this strange that all the activity, the police activity is to my left, but the deer keep looking to my right. Oh. I mean, there were cop cars and sirens, and there was all kinds of stuff going on to my left, and yet the deer looking to my right. Now, I thought, just in general, that's odd, right? I mean, you right. would think that the deer would be looking towards all the activity. So I look over to the right, and there's this kind of a grassy area, and behind it are pine trees, and I had the thought, the deer were moving closer to me at this point, I had the thought, where is he? Where is this guy hiding? Now, I'm just thinking it to myself. I looked over at the deer. The deer lifted its head up, looked right at me, and said the word, I heard the word, logs, like fallen logs, and then I saw like a stack of logs. Uh, um, the deer told you? my mind. <laughs> right. So... I did what you just did. I went, what? <laughs> what? what? Wow. So I looked to my right, and sure enough, there were some fallen trees over to my right. So I snuck back around my patrol car. I took my weapon out of the holster, and I went around in the darkness, and I went over to where the fallen logs were, and I ordered the suspect to come out with his hands up, thinking no one's no one's going to know if he's not there because I'm alone, so no one's going right. to see me. And sure enough, out of the grass come these two hands. <laughs> they popped up. So he surrendered to you, a little person like you? Oh, well, I had my gun pointed at him. So no, guns do make a difference. They're a great equalizer, yes. Probably a good idea to yeah. come out with your hands up when somebody has their weapon pointed right at you. Oh, my and I'm goodness. Sure, I'm sure my voice was like this, you better come out with your hands <laughs> right. up. That's right. That's certainly what I would do. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, wow. I found my voice later, but, you know, that was like one of the first experiences I ever had. So basically the deer told me where the guy was hiding. So I think that's amazing. holy moly, right? That's like mind boggling. My brain just exploded like oh my gosh yeah, so I get wow. on the radio of course I tell everyone I have them at gunpoint and then I'm a hero I get patted on the back I get high fives way yes. to go Anderson how'd you find him way to go way to go and suddenly I'm like woohoo what did I just do <laughs> right wow it was, a, it was a real crazy moment for sure oh, I think that's great that's wonderful so so what else how else have if animals helped you in your police work. That, really, that's a great equalizer when you have these secret um, spies around able to tell you stuff that that the people can't tell you. I think that's right. really well, funny. I'm sure you've heard some of the modern-day stories where there are actual uh, murder was committed. I think it was a murder. I'm trying to remember here. And there was a – someone had an African gray parrot in the house. Uh-huh. And African greys are really known for their ability to, to talk. Yes. And the, the bird kept describing the event and that there was a gun, and he, he, I think it even gave the person's name who did really? it. Really? Wow. That's a current event. That's not mine. That's not me. No, but, but that's amazing. Yes. Yeah, I had so, heard that they're really smart and good, that grey parrots are like, like the best of the yes. parrots for that sort of thing. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they 
they pay attention and they know what's going on. And the thing that's great about animals is they, they don't have an agenda. You know, they just share the truth. They, they're just factual. They don't try to cover up for someone. They don't try to, you know, make someone look innocent who's guilty. They just speak the truth. They just share what happened because they don't think like a human in that respect. So when you communicate with an animal, they just share what they saw or what they experienced, and it, it comes through very truthfully, very honestly, and very factual. So uh, another uh, case that I had was uh, there was a, a call for an unattended death. Now, an unattended death means that no one was there when the person died, so somebody discovered the dead body. So they call, you know, 911, and so-and-so is passed away. We don't know what happened. So I arrived on scene, and as I entered the home, it looked like, it was an older gentleman, it looked like this fellow had his house turned upside down. There was furniture on its side. The stuff was thrown everywhere. He was a mess. He looked like someone had beat him up badly. There was, oh. yeah, there was just, it was a very bloody scene. And, um, it, and, you know, your heart just went out to him because he was an, an older gentleman and lived alone. So once again, I got placed on perimeter because you always stick the rookie on perimeter. Yeah, that's you know, unfair. I know. We can't do anything else right, so they stick us <laughs> on perimeter. So I'm on perimeter, and when you're on perimeter, you can't let anybody into the crime scene or you can't let anyone out of the crime scene without making a note of it because you have to keep track of everybody that's coming and going. So. Uh-huh. I'm wandering around, now remember we're up in the mountains, I'm wandering around to the back of the house, and I see this old hound dog standing on the back porch. I mean, this guy's like old. He's got the gray muzzle, and he's got, you know, kind of bony, his hips are sticking out, kind of bony, and I was right away like, oh, and of course I want to go over to him. I love animals, so I go over to this dog, and I already had it in my mind that this man who was passed on had been beaten up. I already had it in my mind, and, and I'm using my, my Karen Anderson sleuthing skills to come up with it. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. by the scene that I saw with his house a mess and blood everywhere, I thought, you know, someone came in and beat this guy. So, I'm in the back, and I'm just trying to comfort the dog, and, and I thought, well, I'm going to see what this dog can tell me, because he could see right into the back door. He was on the back porch, but he could see right into the man's house. Inside. Right. So I asked the dog, just quickly, telepathically in my mind, I asked him what happened. And the dog told me that his human was alone in the house, that he heard some banging noises, some weird, loud, bumping, banging noises, and he heard his human yell out. And then he said everything was got quiet. He could not tell me anymore that there was no one else there. He didn't describe anyone else being there. He just said that his human was in the house by himself when huh. he yeah, when he cried out. So I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this dog doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Because I can <laughs> tell from my, <laughs> yes. Yes. my sharp police mind <laughs> that... Um, Something bad happened in this house. And so the coroner arrived, and, and, you know, everybody's there trying to put the pieces together. 
And basically what they determined was the elderly gentleman was a, an epileptic. He wasn't taking his medication. He went into a severe epileptic attack which caused him to bump his head, which head injuries bleed heavily. They just do. Oh. He also accidentally knocked over all his own furniture in the epileptic Oh, my. Yeah, wow. So he was, um, his death was ruled um, from natural causes, from a seizure, from his epilepsy. He was not beaten up. He was not, it was not what I thought it was. The dog was right. Isn't that fascinating? The dog was There's right. nobody there. Karen the Anderson said- was wrong. Yeah, Karen <laughs> was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The dog was right. <laughs> oh, my so, goodness. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing that would happen. And, you know, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing that I could obtain accurate information from the animals on a crime scene. Now, unfortunately, there aren't always animals on every crime scene, so you can't rely on that all the time. You have to just rely on, you know, good old-fashioned police work and interviewing humans. But if there was a pet there, you better believe that I was in there trying to get information about what happened and, um, you know, they, they're just, again, very honest and very factual. They don't have it in them to try to cover up. Like, if their human did something wrong, they don't have it in them to, to lie. They would just share factual information. Yeah, well, I, well, that's actually a plus with animals, that they, they wouldn't, um, they're not going to give him an alibi if he doesn't deserve it. That's for sure. Exactly. Exactly. But you sometimes... This was all new to me. This was something that I didn't tell anyone, and it kept happening, and my skills were getting better and better, and, I mean, it just evolved. It just kept evolving, and, you know, when I could tap into the mind of a resident pet, I would, and, you know, more times than not, they were right on the money. Now, you sometimes talk, got to talk with victims of crimes, too, right? Yes, absolutely. Tell one of those stories. So, do, do they come to you because they know you're a, a psychic, or how do, you, how do you talk to these victims of crimes? Well, you mean a, a person who has passed? passed yes, yeah. Okay. So um, as a medium, I am also able to communicate with departed human souls, and it is the same process to communicate with an animal living or deceased. The process is the same. The tuning in is the same. There's no difference. It's just a matter of shifting your focus and where you want to like direct the energy. So when I get a missing persons case, I usually get contacted by family or friends, and the first thing they'll send me is a recent photo. And with that person's photo, I sit down and I go into a meditation. And in this meditation, I open up to the departed person. I ask them to come forward and share any information that they can about what happened. I fill them up full of love and tell them that, you know, your family or friends sent me, I'm here to help, and I want to, you know, try to bring justice to whoever did this. 
and that's how I connect. And then I, I just start paying attention to everything that's coming through. I'll get sometimes words, sometimes images, sometimes a sentence. Uh, some of it makes sense to me. Some of it makes absolutely no sense to me. And then I deliver everything that I received during that meditation. I deliver that to the family or whoever contacted me or, you know, um, sometimes law enforcement. I just tell them everything that I'm getting. And have, have um, crimes been solved by that, by what you did with those um, um, attempts to contact people? Well, solved as far as I'm concerned, but there aren't any, like, oh, well, thanks to Karen Anderson, we were able to solve this crime. No. Oh, but yeah. after the person was finally discovered or the body was discovered, um, going back and looking at what I provided the information I provided, it was all accurate. It was just a matter oh, great. of... So you were able to confirm it. Yeah, that's great. Yes, I was able to validate that information. So um, I, I've read some of your, your cases. One of them was um, a missing man named Brian, and Kat solved the, solved the case. Can you tell that oh, story? Because I think that's fascinating. Oh, okay, yeah. This was really... Um, this was the, one of the first times that I had a, a pet client, a client with a pet, come to me, and she said, you know, Karen, I've had a session with you in the past with one of my pets, and she said, my brother is missing. He had two cats in his apartment on the day he went missing. Do you think they could tell you anything? And I said, at that point, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know, but let's find out, right? Yeah. So... I, I had, again, a, a session, if you will, a meditation where I focus on each of the cats and I just gather information from them. And one of the cats described, which this is really interesting, described the type of shoes that they were wearing and the boots oh. that they were wearing. And at first I thought, why are they just describing the shoes? The boots <laughs> that's all they could see them? because that's their, that's their height. They were, yes. they were, they were shoe and boot they, height. That funny. They were hiding under the bed. Cause oh, my a, goodness. Yes, there was a big fight and an abduction. They abducted, kidnapped this guy. And there were two men. The cats told me there were two men. Described one of them as having on um, work boots, like the kind you'd wear to construction, you know, those construction yes. worker boots. Uh-huh. The other guy just had on kind of tennis shoes, um, both wearing jeans. I could see both pairs of jeans. The cat also gave me n- initials, or what turned out to be initials. The initials came back A as in Apple, R as in Robert, and J as in Junior. So... I didn't know it at the time, what any of that meant, and the other cryptic message I got from one of the cats was this weird, these weird numbers, and I saw 1515, like I kept seeing it, double, 1515, and then I heard two spoons, as in like a knife and a fork, I heard two wow. spoons, Wow. 1515, two spoons. So again, I have no clue what any of this means. I gave all the information to the sister and said, you know, here's what I got. And um, it was about three years later that I got an email from her, and she said, Karen, you won't believe this. They found Brian. He's dead. 
a farmer was uh, cutting the with the tractor, uh, plowing the fields with the tractor, out in the middle of nowhere on this country road, and he came across some human remains, and it came back to be Ryan's remains. And she said, "Here's the part you won't believe: the farm was located at 1515 Two Spoons Road." <laughs> I love that. How could the so, cat know that? I don't. I don't. I, I have no idea. I have no clue. Wow. Don't know. I don't know. So, so you it, that psychic cat knew where they took the, uh, uh, the cat's, you know, dad. The yeah. cat must have been psychic. There's no other other explanation for that. It's there's no other explanation for it. Here's a lot of stuff about the work that I do that I can't explain. It just it's amazing. It's fascinating. It blows my mind. It's like, wow, how did I do that? How did that happen? How did I get that information? Just to give you a for instance, I just. Right before I got on the phone with you, I was in session with a client. She's been a wonderful client for probably 10, 15 years. Very, very sweet lady. We were having a session with her departed father and three of her departed cats. And one of the messages that came through was um, talk about the gold. Gold, as in, you know, silver and gold. Uh huh. Talk about gold. So I said to her, what does this mean to you? And she goes, I can't believe you're saying this, Karen. I can't believe you're saying this. I said, what? She says, well, my father, right before he passed, he had dementia really, really badly. And she said, as I would sit with him before he passed away, he would come in and out of reality. And she said, sometimes he would just start talking to me about the gold coins, that they're hidden, and I have to go find these gold coins. Find the gold, find the gold, find the gold. Wow. I can't believe, and her father just passed away like a couple months ago. Yeah. I can't believe that the first thing he's talking about are it's the gold coins. <laughs> so right? Things. So, yeah, that's amazing. Why he would want to share that specific message, you know, he's 95 years old or so, why that was the first thing, because that was the one thing that he knew that his daughter would recognize this is really him coming through, because who else of would course. know about the crazy oh, story no. about the gold? Isn't that wonderful? That is wonderful. And, and no, the, I don't the, know how it The works. psychic I don't know. cat, though, also got the initials of the of the villain, right? Oh, the, yeah, I didn't even share that part. Okay, yeah. so back to the cats. The ARJ, the initials, were what turned out to be initials. The primary suspect in this case, his name was Arnold Roberts Jr. Oh, see? ARJ. Wow. Now... They could never make an arrest because they didn't have enough evidence, and certainly they can't put me or the cats on the stand, so that's not no. going to fly. You know, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a problem, yes. But, but that's what I mean. In my mind, we know who did it. Has he you know, been brought to justice? No, but we know who did it, and the sister knows, the family knows who did it. So in our minds, the case has been solved. There's closure, yes. Yeah. There is closure, right. and they were able to you know, move on and you know, close that chapter. But yeah, pretty amazing stuff. And like I said, if, if, if I could, I wish I could tell you how it works, but I don't know. Well, there, there is no distance. There is no distance and there is no time. We know that for sure. And, and, um, but all I can think is this cat was psychic. How, How would, I mean, why would it care about initials of, of the victim, of the villain in this case? Um, I, I think that's, 
That's fascinating to me, actually, that, 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 that the cat would do that. Mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling, and I'm just glad I, I told her everything that I got because sometimes, you know, when you do the work that I do, you feel silly. You feel right. crazy. You feel, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm getting these weird messages that mean nothing. Um, I've, I'm to the point where I know that that weird message might be the one thing that somebody needs foreclosure or that somebody needs to solve a case or that somebody needs to yes. you know, move forward in their life. So I just say whatever it is, I don't care how crazy, how silly, or how nuts I sound. I don't care. I feel like I am, it's my job. I'm the messenger. It's my job to deliver the message as I get it, as it comes through. Now, you're no longer a police, a police officer, right? No, I have been out of the department now for almost 17 years, but it's just fun that I get to combine police yes. work and psychic work and yes. still kind of have my a little piece of the action there, so to speak. So you're, 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 you do still help them? Is that it? You help the police yes. on occasion? Isn't I that do. Great? I, get, I get contacted all the time. I'm working on a couple of cases right now. One of them is a missing persons case right here in my town where I live, believe it or not. So um, I can't share the details with that because it's still an open case. Uh Um, But what happened was there was a gentleman that went missing and his dogs were right there when this happened. So I'm obviously getting information from the dogs and now we're just trying to find the suspects. Really? That's um, great. Yes. Yes. And so that's great. Uh, the bad thing is the dogs only know so much because they weren't able to share any more information. So I'm kind of at the end of what they can tell me. So that's an ongoing case that I'm working on. I also was contacted uh, by a woman on the West Coast whose best friend, like a 70-year-old uh, woman, avid hiker, avid outdoors woman with three dogs. She went missing on a beach. They found her dogs running loose. Her car was still parked in the parking lot, but there was no sign of her. And, of course, you know, law enforcement were called, and it was determined by law enforcement that she was taken by a wave because this is a rough part of the Oregon coast. Uh And so they closed the case. Well, that didn't sit well with this woman's family and friends because she was an avid outdoorsman. She would have never placed herself in harm's way or gotten that close to those dangerous waves because she walked all the time. Yeah. So it just didn't sit well with them. So they reached out to me. And they said, hey, you know, her three dogs were there. Do you think they can tell you anything? I said, I don't know. Let's find out. So I did a session with the dogs, and the dogs went on to describe to me um, a truck and a man and gave me a description of the truck and the man. They also described that uh, this man took their mom and that they never saw her again. And... I was also able to connect with the missing woman who was passed on. So she came through to me, and she described what happened to her 
as well as where her body was in a nearby campground. And while I was talking to her, there were two other spirits that came through that were sharing similar stories with me, similar types of um, messages, and it turned out that there ended up being a serial killer in the area that was preying on women that were out there walking by themselves, trying to enjoy nature and have peace and quiet and, you know, walk their dog or whatever they were doing. Um, But it took about two years because no one could find their remains, even though law enforcement didn't want to work with me. Some law enforcement will work with me, some won't. That's so odd. Would not. Yeah, they would not so, work with me. So. so, But it was a closed case. So were they just yeah. trying not to be bothered? Yeah. Oh, probably. Lord. So get this. Two years later, a group of Boy Scouts were going through the campground and they were doing cleanup, like they were rebuilding the fire pits and stuff in the campground. Yes. And one of the Boy Scouts found human bones near one of the burn pits. Wow. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, they were destroyed beyond the point of obtaining DNA, and the other women's bodies were never found, but I know in my heart of hearts that that's who that was. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Now, now, the dogs that are witnesses, do they, for example, um, he was driving a red pickup truck. Is that what the way they would describe the vehicle, or how would they describe a vehicle? Do they do they do colors? Mm-hmm. Do they? Yes, they yes they do colors. I would see it. I would usually get a real fl- quick flash, a real quick image of the vehicle. I actually remember this truck because it was really dirty. It was really used like a work truck, and there was a lot of junk in the back. Like, oh wow, you know pieces of weird stuff, and you know kind of junky. And I just remember that image in my mind because it wasn't like a brand new, you know, Duramax that you drive yeah. off a lot, all shiny and pretty. This was an old work truck. And I actually saw the truck. I saw a brief glimpse of the man that they described. I, I even remember his baseball cap. They had, told me he had on a baseball cap. So I saw that for a flash of a second, I saw Okay, that makes sense. So that they may not know yep. what it is they're seeing, but they can show it right. to you, and then you yep. know what it is. Oh, isn't that fascinating? Exactly. That is so interesting. Exactly. Yep. You're not going to believe this, but we've actually come to the end of our time. I, I no. can't believe how fast it always goes. Yes. <sighs> Oh, my goodness. This has been so much fun, Karen. I always enjoy talking with you. We'll have to do this again. You have so much to talk about. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, the the thing is, you you have such an interesting sort of way of going about being a medium. I've, I've interviewed other mediums, but they don't have nearly the stories to tell that you do, and I so appreciate it. You know, this well, is. I'm this happy is to share. Fun. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Well, consider yourself hugged, my dear, and we will uh, we will talk. Thank you. We'll do this again soon. Okay. Everyone, this Wonderful. has been <laughs> yes. Well, I look forward to it. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm really glad you could be with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you really get what that means, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. 
Next week, our guest will be the world and astral traveler extraordinaire, the young and amazing Cyrus Kirkpatrick. He's here for the fifth time. Cyrus travels to the -the out-of-the-way places of the world that most of us don't ever go to on a budget writing about them, and he also astral travels in those places and speaks and writes about that too. He is just a fascinating, beautiful young man. We're going to be speaking with him in London next week. That's where he'll be. We will be here right here in the U.S. of A., but he'll be in London. But he could just as easily be in Addis Ababa or in Peru. Last time we spoke with him, he was in Japan. He's living a fascinating life. Now, traveling out of the body and having adventures the fearless way that Cyrus does um, actually is is a pretty scary thing. I know of other people who astral travel and they find it really scary, but he's fearless. And he interviews a lot of the strange and amazing people he meets in other dimensions, including someone who said he was a different aspect of Cyrus himself. He's interviewing himself in a different dimension. So amazing. Cyrus Kirkpatrick is adding a whole new dimension to our understanding of what really is going on. He calls himself Cyrus the Explorer, and boy, that understates what he is. He's one of the most interesting people you'll ever meet, and he's just a lovely person to boot. So please join us next week. This week, our guest has been Karen Anderson, here for the third time. Karen is a wonderful communicator with pets, both living and dead, and she wrote The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, Messages and Signs for Our Pets on the Other Side, which I think is a wonderful book. Um, She was with us twice in the past. We talked about dogs and cats one time, and last spring, I loved this one. We talked about our our beloved horses that had transitioned and are waiting for us now in those heavenly pastures. This week, we've been talking about Karen's work in solving cold criminal cases, sometimes with the help of animals who witness the crimes. Just amazing. Human beings limit ourselves in so many ways when we ignore the fact that our minds and the minds of our animals have these wonderful extraordinary and entirely non-material gifts. As you know, I have a number of nonfiction books, including Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, and all the fun books, and you can order them all um, on Amazon or from bookstores, and the adult books, at least, are all available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about any of my books, all you have to do do is go to robertagrimes.com. You'll find me there. There's a block. Just send me an email, and I answer every email. It could take me a little while, though, or a few days, but I do always get back to people. Meanwhile, this... This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and please make the most of this coming week in our one shared reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.